This podcast is part of the Power of Podcasting Network. Find it at powerofpodcasting.com. Today on episode number 661 of the School of Podcasting, I'm back from hanging out with a bunch of pro-casters. I've got an update on chapters in episodes and a power rant. Hit it, ladies. The School of Podcasting with Dave Jackson. Podcasting since 2005. I am your award-winning Hall of Fame podcast coach, Dave Jackson, thanking you so much for tuning in. If you are new to the show, this is where I help you massage your message. I help you tackle the technology, face the fears, and flatten the learning curve and get you going, not just podcasting, but on the right road to podcasting. My website is schoolofpodcasting.com where you can use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-I-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up and save on either a monthly or yearly subscription. What is in the School of Podcasting, Dave? It is courses. It is live coaching. It is a private Facebook community. So courses, coaching, and community. Check it out, schoolofpodcasting.com. Today, I'm going to talk about what I learned at the On Air Fest in New York City, besides the fact that Mabel's Smokehouse has the absolute best brisket I've ever had. Holy cow, was that good. But here's the thing. We're going to do this in a different thing. I'm going to kind of do it almost like a, a, a game show in a way. So here's your podcast. Somebody comes up and you says, hey, I hate self-help books. My friend has read every self-help book on the planet. She wants to live every single thing that's in every single book. I hate them. We're going to do a podcast together. And you're like, great. How would you tell them to create the episode? Because it's probably not what you think, depending on, well, depending on you, I guess. But uh, I'll tell you the answer of what they actually did. But first, I want to talk about Alitu. This is, I, I mentioned this last week. And you're like, wait, what is Alitu? It's a podcast maker app, but it's on the web. So if you're a person that travels around, it's really cool. You can just throw your files into this system and then create your podcast just by throwing the pieces together. It automates the production and publishing in podcasting, and it offers a tool to make editing quicker and easier. Yeah, you go, you have to get rid of those ums and you knows. You can do it using this cloud-based system. Now, here's something else it does that's really cool. Because the idea of this is to make podcasting quick and simple and just make it easy, removing a bunch of the tech barriers, and it lets you concentrate on the bit you do best, of course, which is talking to someone you love. Well, what if you're like, great, I love easy. And what if you're using squadcast.fm? That's what I like to use for my interviews. And the cool thing is, is it records both sides of the conversation. And it's great, sounds wonderful, but you still have to combine those two sections together. Yeah, that's right. Alitu will do that. You can basically say, hey, here's half of this uh, conversation. Here's the other one. Link these two together and it will put them together. That's pretty cool because doing that is something like Audacity or Hindenburg or Audition. Again, not super hard. This just makes it easy. You upload them, click on the link button and you're done. Your podcasters, you basically, what if I want to record something and I haven't pre-recorded it to upload it? You can record things right there on the web. So check it out. It's A-L-I-T-U, Alitu, 
And I'll have a video out in the show notes. It's really, really cool. If you're looking for an easy way to record your podcast, they even say a mobile app is coming soon. If you want to edit and produce your podcast, check it out. ALITU.com. Thanks for sponsoring the School of Podcasting. So I'm back from New York City. And for the record, New York City, it's rather large. And uh, I want to give a quick shout out to my buddy, Monica Rivera from You Want to Do What? Podcast, giving you the nudge you need. Check her out at youwantodowhat.com. She was nice enough the one night to take me down to the city and let me do touristy things like Times Square and the uh, 9-11 Memorial, which, by the way, holy cow, is that moving? And uh, other things. So thank you, Monica. You are a sweetheart. And I went to the On Air Fest, which describes itself as advancing the culture of audio. We bring together an expansive, not expensive, although New York City, very expensive. This is an expansive range of emerging and established voices to explore the creative possibilities of sound. And it was a really interesting festival. And a couple things I wanted to share with you that uh, you just kind of go, wow, these people do podcasting way different. And I I might even say, do I dare say, because this was in some ways the podcast industry, or do I dare say, dare say, or do I dare say, procasters? I hate that phrase. To me, we're all content creators. What kind of paint you use to make your content is up to you. But they definitely paint different than we do. Meaning I went to a breakfast. Every time there was a thing for networking, that was really why I was there. Why did I go? Because they asked me. They said, hey, do you want to come to this thing? We'll give you a press pass. And I'm like, does it get me into everything? And they said, no. And I'm like, I'm not coming. They go, okay, we'll get you into everything. Which really there wasn't much to get into. A couple breakfasts and things like that. There was a special invite only from Nick Kwa. And that did not get me into that. But that's okay. And uh, I went to a couple breakfasts of networking, which was really cool. And I uh, usually I go up to people. I'm like, hey, what brings you to the show? That's all you have to say if you're at an event. What brings you to the show? And they'll be like, oh, I came here, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, oh, cool. Like, what's your podcast? If I'm at Podcast Movement or this weekend, I'm going to be at PodFest. All I have to say is tell me about your show. Because almost everybody there has one or is in the process of making one. And I would say, hey, what brings you to the show? And they're like, oh, I'm a writer. Oh, cool. Yeah, I wrote this sci-fi thing, blah, 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 blah. What do you do? I'm a producer. And so I said, great. What's a producer do? Oh, I work with the soundscape team and the editor. And then sometimes with the writers, plural. And I was like, ooh, this is a whole different way to paint, right? If If podcasting is painting... Some of us are doing paint by numbers and some of us are doing, I don't know, just wow. They got a whole team. So that was kind of interesting. And one of the, here's some things that I really thought were that I just was like, what? The, uh, I like the show Radio Lab. If you've never listened to it, it's for me, it's either really good or really bad. They're either talking about something that I'm like, wow, that's interesting or, they're talking about something that I go, okay, don't care. But uh, Jad Ubenrod was interviewed. And in the interview, he explained 
that well it, he explained how long it takes to create an episode of Radio Lab. You want to guess? Because for me, it takes about I don't know two weeks, maybe some days, uh, two days to make an episode. I mean, this one took a weekend of me going there, and now I'm telling you about it. How long do you think it takes, Chad? Two weeks? Two months? How about two years? Yeah, some of his episodes take two years. Why? Because they're finding a story, and it's like, yeah, this one person in where the heck is that Georgia did this thing. Well, they go track that person down, and that person says, well, yeah, it was me and Stumpy Joe. And they're like, oh, where's Stumpy Joe? Oh, he's in Holy Cow, Alabama. So they fly down there to Holy Cow, Alabama, and they find Stumpy Joe. And then he, it's just, so they just follow the story. And here's the other thing, uh, Jenna from Pineapple Street, which is kind of a podcast production company, explained that if you take the pilot of a TV show, now I did a little Google. I asked Uncle Google on this. I said, Uncle Google, how much does it cost to make a TV pilot? And uh, Uncle Google said about $2 million. All right. So if you take that $2 million, give 5% of that to Pineapple Street Media. That's about $100,000, by the way. They can create an entire season of a podcast. And from what I saw on their website, most of their podcasts are somewhere between six, seven, and in some cases, 12 episodes. But it's somewhere, we're just going to go somewhere between $8,000 and $16,000 per episode. Wow. Because it, it, I'm not spending $8,000 on this particular episode. I'm spending uh, my time. And so I thought that was really interesting. But here's what I think is going to happen, maybe, is as I looked at this, because there was a session on finding your voice. And I mean this with the utmost respect. A lot of these people were artists, man, like art, kind of like, oh, dude, you know, and they got to get the, you know, I'm an artist, man. So there are definitely those people in there. And we need those people. Those people are super creative and they're passionate and they have a message. I, I love artists, man. You know, so that's cool. But they were explaining, like, how does the artist man get his message out when it may not be the most profitable thing in the world? And so this is where you're going to see these production companies, the Gimlets, the Pineapple Streets, the, you know, all these other ones. That they're going to make, I don't know, the Target podcast, and they're going to make the Coles podcast, and they're going to make the Best Buy podcast, or whatever it is. There was one there from MasterCard has a podcast, and they said that as a producer, you have to kind of go, hey, am I going to be able to sleep tonight if I help MasterCard make a podcast? Like, do you align with their values as a company. Do you, you know, like if you started to do a podcast for some company and you find out that they treat their employees horrible and they use overseas people in China and they work them 22 hours a day and feed them a peanut for, you know, pay. Okay. Is that a company you can make a podcast for and sleep at night? And they said that 
yes, there are these companies that are paying apparently boatloads of money per episode, but we'll talk about that in a second, to do a podcast. And they said, yeah, I will do some of those if I can sleep at night because it's that big profit that comes from doing that that's going to pay for the artist, man. I want to do the one about the injustice of the blah, 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 that kind of thing. I want to do the one about the pygmy ponies over by the dental floss bush. Yes, I want to do that podcast. So that profit is, and I went, holy cow, this is just Hollywood. It's Hollywood from a different aspect. Because think about it, you know, whatever big movie studio, Universal, is that more than just a theme park at this point? But whatever. Uh, Warner Brothers makes this big motion. They make a motion picture here now. Okay, we're going to make a picture. And it's big. It's going to be a blockbuster, I tell you. We're going to get all the big stars in it. We're going to have all sorts of uh, lovely uh, special effects. Things are going to blow up. Things are going to go boom. It's going to be great. And all the people are going to show up. And then the hero, the 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 guy gets the girl, and uh, they walk up into the sunset. I tell you, it's going to be a great blockbuster here. So they got that. He said, hitting the mic. And they make eight gazillion dollars. And then the DVD sells and everything else. And they take that money. And then they give uh, a couple million of that to, I don't know. Keanu Reeves, Johnny Depp, somebody that, you know, wants to make this indie film about whatever in this little unheard of country and blah, blah, blah. And I went, that's exactly what this is. So it was interesting to see that. Now, let's go back to that $10,000 an episode. And I'm just picking that one kind of out of the air. That's a number I heard kind of thrown around. But you got to realize you have the host. And in some cases, if you're doing nonfiction, now you're hiring voiceover actors to play the parts. And then you have the editor. Now, here's the big difference. Here in our little bubble, in the podcast about podcasting bubble, you have an editor. And that editor is going to DM you, D you know you. We're talking about uh, crutch words this month. They're going to get rid of all your crutch words. They're going to get rid of the hiss. They're going to level out the volume. But most of the editors that I know have no creative control. They take your stuff and make you sound good, but they don't actually shape the content. Now, I could be wrong on that, but most of the people I know, they don't. Unless you've been editing for somebody for a long time and you get to understand what they're looking for. Editors in this world are given 100 plus hours of tape, for lack of a better phrase, of content, and they go, here, shape this into a story. And that means step one, you have to listen to 100 hours of stuff. The uh, the missing Richard Simmons guy, that podcast, he worked on that for a year. And this is where I was like, wait, what are you eating during the year? How are you paying for food? And this is where, again, it's a little bit like Hollywood, where they get paid a lot of money apparently to work on this thing and the studio believes in it. So they can't, they give you money to make it. So it's, it's really interesting that way. Now this does not make it wrong. This does not make it bad. This does not make it unfair even. And you say, well, wait a minute. How can that not be unfair? Uh, because many, I'm going to say it was two or three years ago. 
I was nominated for a People's Choice Award for this actual program in the technology area. And I was up against a little show called Reply All. This is a show from Gimlet that probably has somewhere between 15 and 20 people working on it. I am an army of one. I am the host. I am the producer. I am the editor. I am the soundscape person. I am the show notes writer. I am the researcher. I am an army of one for this show and actually for all my shows. I tend to do everything, and that's maybe something I should not be doing, but that's a whole other podcast. But my point is I was nominated. Now, I lost, for the record, to Reply All, but I was in the same category as somebody with a team of 19 people. So is it easier for them because they have 19 people? Sure. But in the end, we are all content creators, and I haven't had a single bit of soundscaping over this, and yet you're still here listening. Does soundscaping, now what is soundscaping? It's mood music a lot of times. It's that kind of stuff. It's sound effects, so that when I say I walked in and people started applauding, right, that kind of stuff, or I walked over here and you hear my footsteps. Sound, it's it's the theater of the mind. So I kind of teased you earlier, and this is the one that I went, now here's the big difference between what I would call an independent podcaster and somebody who has a background with radio. So I went to this uh, breakfast and it was Dan from Sporkful, which is a show, and I've asked Dan to come on the show. We'll have to see if he can make it. He's worked on Sporkful, and it's now his full-time job for nine years. Not nine months, not nine weeks, nine years. And he had a great story about how he just kept plugging at it, plugging at it. Then he got a book deal. Then he did this. Then he did this. Now it's full-time. Nine years. And he introduced somebody that I have to have on the show, uh, Kristen Meinzer. And this is the Buy the Book podcast that I talked about at the beginning of the show. And Kristen hates self-help books. Her co-host is a comedian who loves self-help books. And they both read a self-help book. And they have to. They have to live by the guidelines outlined in the book for two weeks. And maybe you said, well, this would be great. You just, you get together, you get you and your co-host together and you hit record and you talk about the book. Does that sound good to you? Because I kind of went, yeah, okay. No, that's not how this side of the fence, the procaster will do it. And I went, oh, and I think this is, again, I think one of the biggest things you can do with a podcast is planet and everything they do is about story. And I'll talk about that here in a second. So here's how they took this show. You have, first of all, you have a co-host, uh, two co-hosts that have completely different opinions. Well, this is good as opposed to, Hey, Gail, what did you think of the book? I loved it. How about you, Cindy? I thought it was great. Okay. One of you is not needed, but if you have two people with different, and that doesn't mean you have to take, people that are polar opposites and put them together, although that can be entertaining. But 
it's nice when you have different points of view. So what they did is they took it and said, okay, great. How can I inject a story into this? How can I inject maybe some drama? How can I inject maybe a cliffhanger? How can I, all these aspects of story and put it into their show. So what do they do? They took, all these books have at least two episodes and in some cases three. And I listened to a couple of their episodes and it's usually like, here's the book we're going to be reading over the next two weeks. And we've actually kind of already read it or, or whatever. And, uh, Here's the guidelines of this book. We can't like I listened to one called The Year of Yes. And they had to say yes to this, they had to say yes to this, they had to say yes to this, and da 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 da. And so this is what we're gonna be doing for the next two weeks. What does that do that makes you go, whoa, I don't know if I could do that for two weeks. You're really gonna do that for two weeks? It also makes you go, that sounds like an interesting book. Wow, that's kind of outside. I wonder, hmm. So you've got all this like, ooh, that sounds interesting. I'm not really sure. And they're already starting to kind of voice. Is this going to be easy or hard to follow the guidelines in this book? So it's kind of like, tune in again next week, people, and we'll see how they do. Okay, here we go. All right, it'll be a whole whiz-bang. And uh, so the next episode is them after they've read it, after they've lived it, and how did it apply to their life? What did they change? Did it push them out of their comfort zone? Did it work? That's really the end of episode two. Did this work? Was it a good book? Did you like it? Do you think it's full of caca poo-poo? Or do you think it's actually useful information? So what do they do? They inject a story into this. And then sometimes they'll have a third version of the episode where they'll have listener feedback. How cool is that? Now you're getting your audience involved and you're also understanding your audience better. So instead of just like, hey, what do you think of the book? Oh, I thought it was good. I I thought it was stupid. I thought it was a, they actually sat back and said, how can we put some icing on this cake as opposed to just shooting from the hip. And I went, I think that's kind of where the difference between a quote indie podcaster, maybe. Now here's the good news. Being an indie podcaster, you can take these steps if you want to. And that's the one thing that I thought about this is I'm like, wow, this is really cool. But on the other hand, I'm kind of worried because some of this then makes it look like all you have to do is boil down your podcast to a recipe. If I just do, if I check all these seven boxes, I will be a successful podcast. And that's not true either. There are things like personality. There are things like timing. There are things like skill even that do this. So that was interesting just to see. The other thing I saw here was I heard of uh, two phrases. Number one, uh, and it was all about seasons. Like here, almost everybody I know, we do a weekly show, a bi-weekly show. It is an ongoing show. You can jump in anytime you want. You want to start on episode number 550, go right ahead. You want to step on episode 123, go right ahead. There is all about seasons, meaning you should probably start with episode one and listen all the way through episode seven. And then, oh, by the way, season two is starting. And it was just season, season, seasons. And so I went to the Adobe suite, and there was a guy there from kind of Adobe, somewhat of an intern, and he explained how he was working on season two. And I said, hey, I'm just, I'm, there's no judgment here. Kind of from where I come from, we rarely do seasons, at least the people I run into. Why are you doing seasons? And he said, because most of the time I'm dealing with a topic. So topic A, whatever it is, and I'm talking with multiple people 
about topic A. And that makes one good season. So I, I interviewed five people about their favorite types of cake, and I'm completely making that up. And that was it. And then the next season, we talked to people. I talked to six people about their favorite types of pie. And so they grouped together with seasons. And then the other thing I heard was, yeah, I'm working on episode three right now. I'm working on the funding. And that was one that was like, huh? What? And there are, in some cases, organizations. If you're doing something, again, that's kind of art, man. I'm dealing that, you know, if you're doing something about a, a type of person or whatever, there may be an organization that might want to help fund that. But again, that takes time, takes effort, and probably takes a lot of doors getting shut in your face. And that's why these guys are passionate, man. It's my art. I got, you know, so that was different. Doesn't make it wrong, makes it different. And so that's why in some cases you will have this block of space in between season one and season two because they're out getting funding. And I was like, wow, that was that was different. So again, I'm not saying anything wrong here. I'm just saying this is different. And I think there are things that they can learn from us. And I think there are things that we can learn from them. The other thing, I was in a session and the woman from MasterCard was there. And she was explaining how she's talking to people with purse strings, like advertisers. And she's trying to get them to open up the purse strings. And they're looking at their stats. And so the minute I could raise my hand and ask a question, I said, hey, you talk to the people that I'm never going to get the opportunity to talk to. So maybe you can shed some light on this. With podcasting, they're like, we need more stats. And I go, correct me if I'm wrong, but when you look at newspapers and magazines, they have subscribers. And yet I still don't know if you saw my ad on page 18. Uh, With radio, I don't really know if you heard my radio ad at 3.15 in the afternoon, I don't really know if you watched the ad on TV when it was there. I don't know that you really saw the billboard. I don't know. There's no, and yet I can say, this is how many people downloaded your show. And I can go into Podcast Connect and go, and here's how the typical Apple user listens to my show. We're already giving them more information than they got from any previous media. Why are these people saying we need more data? And the answer that I kind of got was because we're new. Now, Part of me goes, excuse me, because we've been around for going on, you know, 2004 to 15 years. Podcasting's been around 15 years. No, Mark Maron did not invent podcasting. And I think, and this is my own injection here, I think it's because of Facebook. Bloody Facebook. Because I can go into Facebook if I want to run an ad and say, show me men with red hair on the second Tuesday of the month in Poughkeepsie who like Justin Bieber and have an iPhone 7. And Facebook will go, here you go. All right, so I kind of made that up. But it really is. You can get that kind of detail. And I think they're wanting that kind of detail from podcasting. And we don't have that kind of in that information because, well, it's kind of intrusive. 
So Apple's never going to give you that. And this is where when you hear, I think it's NPR wants that rad thing. Yeah, that's the information they want. And it's all about, it's that is not about the listener. That is all about the advertiser. And that's why I don't think, I don't know, we'll see how that goes. But that is my view from the on-air fest after hanging out with the procasters. And for the record, very nice people. It was kind of different that I had to kind of ask around to where I finally found a podcaster. Uh, let me let me go on that a second. So I'm there to network. And, you know, I always say, find out where your audience is. So I went to the first breakfast, talked to a writer, talked to a producer, and talked to some people from Stitcher. But I hadn't really found a podcaster yet besides uh, Dan from Sporkful and Kristen from By the Book. And I'll have links to both of those in the show notes. But I hadn't really found a podcaster yet. Next morning, get up, talk to somebody, uh, runs a audio studio. I said, dude, you should you should start editing podcasts. There's tons of people that just want to talk into a microphone. Uh, talk to a marketing person. Talk to all sorts of people in the industry. But no actual like podcaster, which again, not bad. I didn't really expect to find a lot of those. But I was kind of like, hmm. And and when I would ask like the editor, well, who who are you hosting your media through? He's like, I don't know. I, that's all through the producer. I'd ask the writer, who are you hosting your your media through? I, I don't know. That's all through. I, I just hand the stuff off to so-and-so. And I was like, wow, that's different. So I'm looking for my kind of audience or people that are at least interested in, you know, the end result kind of stuff. And uh, I went to the Adobe suite where they were showing things that looked like witchcraft in uh, Adobe Audition. They have a really cool D-verb thing that I need to play with. I'll probably be talking about that in a future episode. They have the ability called Remix where you can say, hey, take this two-minute music file and give me like a 16.5 second version of it. Now, you got to be careful with that and your music licenses to see if you're allowed to do that. But if you're doing like a commercial or something, that's really cool. There are all sorts of really cool stuff. But guess who was in there? Yes, there were audio editors again, but this is also where I found some people that I said, well, who are you hosting your media through? They're like, oh, well, we like one person was using Anchor. And I'm like, oh, really? For crying out loud, you live in New York City? Maybe that's it. I live in New York City. I'm broke because my, you know, my one room apartment cost me $8 million. But uh, so I found some people that were kind of more on my side of the fence, shall we say, and people that I could maybe network with and actually develop a relationship with. So I had to keep looking for your audience. And sometimes you got to do that. And it it took a a little while. It was a little weird. A person walks up to me and says, hey, is that seat next to you taken? I'm like, oh, take it. It's yours. He sits down. I'm like, hey, I'm Dave. He's like, hey, I'm whatever, Shane. I'm like, great, Shane. Nice to meet you. What brings you to the show? And he actually turned away from me and talked to the person next to him, who I'm not really sure was a friend because I thought, well, maybe he knows the guy. And no, it was just blatantly rude and I was like is there something on my chin or something or do I have mustard on my face like what it was that was bizarre that was uh, something I will remember hey I want to say thank you to everyone who uh, let me know hey Dave uh, there are more podcasts 
that use this whole chapter thing that I mentioned back a few episodes ago that I'm now putting into this particular podcast. MP3 chapters can be be displayed in Instacast, Overcast, which is my preferred one on on uh, Apple, basically Downcast, Podcat, Podcat, not Cast, Podcat, Pocket Cast, and Eyecatcher. On Android, you can use Podcast Addict, which supports chapters in all formats. UPod to display chapter marks with URLs and images. Um, Antennapod supports chapter titles with URLs. Uh, and again, Pocket Cast. So apparently this chapter thing. Now, what is a chapter thing? And here is, it's a way for somebody to jump to a spot in your show. Now, there are two schools of thought on this. One is, hey, why are you making content that is skippable? And that's a great question, because in theory, your podcast should be just filled with chocolatey goodness, and everybody wants everything to the last drop. I started it because of Netflix. Netflix allows me to skip the intro and the outro. And so for me, I'm definitely always going to have one. If you're tired of hearing me say podcasting since 2005, yeah, you're going to be able to skip that. And some of you, let's say I'm talking about a piece of gear. You're like, look, I'm happy with my gear. Then maybe you want to skip that. I also have timestamps in my show notes, which some apps allow you to click on the timestamp and jump right there. And for me, until somebody, and this is what I'm asking you, says, hey, Dave, those chapter things are really annoying. I think I'm going to put them in. I'm using Hindenburg Journalist at the moment, and it makes it super easy. Although after seeing some of the voodoo that you do with Adobe Audition, I don't know. Depending on the show, I, I may be switching software. But until somebody says, hey, Dave, those are really annoying. Can you please remove them? And I get that from a more than the people that go, hey, this is really cool. Uh, they're going to stay in there. Now, do I need to put chapters in my podcast? No, I haven't. This has been available in Hindenburg from what I understand for a while. And I haven't been doing them. And nobody said, hey, where's the chapter markers? So don't freak out on this. This is one of those things that because it's kind of a technical thing. I think we're all going to have a big, let's have a big summit to talk about chapters. Let's not, shall we? Let's talk about content. Let's talk about making things that impact your audience instead. But that is the update. And hey, my laundry's done. And now it's time for a power rant. All right. Last week, we had the whole debacle of Apple saying, hey, you may be removed if you put episode numbers in your iTunes title. Not the other title, the iTunes title, but that was confusing. And by the end of the week, they're kind of like, all right, never mind. We were just kidding. And I get that. It's confusing. And as somebody who works in tech support for Libsyn, a podcast media hosting company, it sent a lot of traffic our way. Thanks, Apple. But I keep hearing that Apple has too much power. Apple has too much power. Well, you ready for this? I've got a two-word plan for anyone who wants to take the power away. You ready? Here's the two-word plan. Step up. It's right there for the taking. Step up. Come on, Google. I remember when you stepped up with Google Listen. Oh, yeah. And then you pulled it away. And then you came up with Google Play Music. Fantastic, except it's not global. Nicely. That's going to probably go away, I'm guessing, sometime before 2020. And then you came in with Google Podcast. Is it available in the operating system? No. Is it a full app? No. Can it 
download automatically? No, come on, step up. If you're going to take over, you got to step up. What about SoundCloud? SoundCloud hasn't even implemented the tags that Apple talked about in 2017. Maybe that's SoundCloud trying to take away the power of podcasting. And I get that. But on the other hand, what any kind of updates have happened to SoundCloud? At least Apple is making changes. They're trying to make things better. And granted, sometimes it is and sometimes hoofa. I mean, I used to use the Apple Podcasts app, and when they broke it, I switched to Overcast, which you will pry from my cold, dead hands. So, you know, Yahoo, many, many moons ago, we're talking 2006 or seven, had a podcast directory, and then they pulled it away. Microsoft had Microsoft Zune, and then they pulled that away. There was Odeo, and then it got pulled away and turned into Twitter. So if you want to dethrone Apple, it's really easy. Step up. Focus on the listener and make a great experience because at the time, that's exactly what Apple did. They took their iTunes uh, software and they smacked, as Steve Jobs called it, amateur hour right in the middle of it. And you want to talk about hockey stick growth? That is the only time I've ever seen it in the 14 years that I've been doing it. So when I think about companies that have done something for podcasting, I don't think Google, I don't think Yahoo, I don't think... Microsoft, I think Apple, and yeah, am I not happy with some of the things they do? Absolutely. But you know what? They're doing something, and there are plenty other companies that are doing nothing to make this step up and get into the mainstream. I remember back in 2012 when people came out with a stupid, absolutely asinine way of using Libsyn. This was before I was an employee, and it was called File for Download Only and Using FeedBurner. It was really bad advice in 2012. It is absolutely horrible advice in 2019, and yet there are still people that are looking at YouTube videos and implementing this. And back then, VP of Podcast Relations Rob Walsh said, hey... I'm the VP of Lipson. I'm telling you, that's a really bad idea. And nobody listened. And to this day, I'm still moving people off that and like, wow, I could have gotten so much more syndication had I not followed this asinine strategy. So here is Apple, the owner of their software going, hey, this is the best way to use it. And people are going, oh, that's it. Forget it. I'm not going to put in my episode numbers. Okay. They're just the people that run the software that say, if you want to get found, if you want to make it easy for people with any kind of sight impairedness or any kind of disability, we're going to make it better for them. It's going to look better. And let's face it right now, Apple search is not exactly stellar. And if this somehow helps them, I'm all for it. Now, for those people that are like, ah, Apple has too much power. Super. Go right ahead and remove your show from Apple. Because obviously they're doing nothing for you. So remove your show. I'll be happy to take your audience. No other company has done more for podcasting than Apple. And look, I'm a PC guy. I got an Apple of one of those things. Mac Mini sitting over there. Hasn't been fired up in years. I'm a PC guy. No other company has done for podcasting what Apple has done. Why? Because they stepped up. And is Apple ever going to be toppled? Not with the way current things are going. Somebody is going to have to step up. And so far, that somebody is nobody. Ah.
I feel better. Do you feel better? I hope so. Hey, I am recording this through the Rode Rodecaster Pro, and I'm doing this directly into Hindenburg Journalist Pro, and I'm only recording my microphone. This is something new. I'll be talking a little more about this in the next episode. Right now, I've got to pack a bag and get on a plane for Orlando, Florida, where I will be attending PodFest. I'll be at the Libsyn booth. If you want to say hi, I would love to meet you. Simply stop by the Libsyn booth, shake my hand, give me a hug, fist bump, whatever you want to do. I would love to meet you. I will also be speaking with Joe Salsi High from Stacking Benjamins about growing your audience through live events. I'll be on a panel with Rob Greenlee and a whole bunch of people talking about is the future of podcasting crazy? And uh, many other things I'll be doing. I'll be part of the John Lee Dumas roast. And if you're at PodFest, I look forward to meeting you. If you would like to start a podcast, simply go out to schoolofpodcasting.com slash start. Again, we've got coaching We've got courses. We've got community. Use the coupon code LISTENER, that's L-A-S-T-E-N-E-R, when you sign up and save on either a monthly or yearly subscription or, and this is just about to close because we're it's getting full, a three-month mentoring program. I've only got room for just a few more before I shut that down for a little bit, which is great. I love that option right now, and I made that based on feedback from you. So thanks so much for tuning in. Oh, I almost forgot. The question of the month, and I need this, by March 22nd is, what is your crutch word, and what did you do to eliminate it? If you did, simply go over to schoolofpodcasting.com slash contact. You can contact me via SpeakPipe, via voicemail. If you want to email me, it's dave at schoolofpodcasting.com. Please put in March question in the subject line so it doesn't get lost in my inbox. If you want to record something and send it over that way, don't forget to mention your podcast, what it's about, and where we can find it. So for those of you that are still here paying attention, that's called free promotion. So take advantage of that, and we'll see you next week. Until then, class is dismissed. Take care, and God bless.